Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast, and it is absolutely amazing. They have characters. They have actors. They have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all got to check this out. Um... I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. It's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you live from this humble abode of books. Ah. Are we still in a pandemic paradise? I think so. I think, what, what we got now, monkeypox, and we still got a little bit of... Uh, coronavirus going on but uh right now we we, we're not in quarantine sometimes i wear a mask sometimes i don't um oh there's been a lot on my mind lately y'all a lot on my mind i think something i need to talk about is the effects of failure and success or rather the effects of trauma on failure and success and how I define them according to how I grew up. I was listening to um, an excerpt of an audiobook by Viola Davis. I believe it's her, I want to say it's her autobiography or her memoir. And uh, she was talking about having a conversation with Will Smith and how Will Smith said he is still the teenage boy defending his mom against his dad. And Viola Davis needs to figure out who she is. And Viola Davis said she was still the young girl running from bullies because she was still so dark. And it made me think about who I am. And I'm still the boy feeling unloved, sitting at home by himself around six, seven years old with neither of his parents around. You know, my dad uh, left when I was about three. And, uh, well, my mom put him out is what happened. And, uh, you know, my mom was badly addicted to drugs and uh well is there a good addicted to drugs my mom was addicted to drugs and um you know she'd say she's going out for a little bit and that meant days and she had my our neighbors would come by and check in on me but I spent days by myself at the ages of six seven eight around then and I remember just sitting there wishing there was somebody to talk to and I've been talking to myself ever since and living in this apartment by myself for the last two years, I find myself having many a conversation by myself, which is why I'm so grateful for TikTok and I'm so grateful for YouTube and Instagram Reels and even this podcast because then I could talk to myself, but I'm still talking to other people. It's I actually like I'm talking to myself, but you're listening in on it. You know what I mean? Because this is literally what I do all day when my phone is off. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a healthy thing to admit, but... um. I spend most of my time in conversation with myself. It's probably why I'm so self-aware. It's probably why I'm acutely aware of how I feel and what I think, um, my reactions, my responses. 
because I spend so much time alone. And it's by choice. I, I don't know how to effectively have a close friendship anymore because I think from spending so much time alone and speaking freely, I speak a little too freely with other people and it makes them uncomfortable. Um, and I can't help that. That's, that's, um, I, I've been this way for decades and, um, I suppose I could change it, but I don't want to. So I think, uh, change is, is what I need to talk about tonight. Um, you know, growing up with so much trauma, with so much physical violence in my house and verbal abuse and neglect, um, I don't know how to experience an achievement, right? Um, like I graduated college and when I graduated from college, uh, from my undergrad, the first place I went right after graduation was to a bar and I got drunk. I was lonely, you know, um, my wife and I were separated and she didn't come to my graduation and it hurt. It, it hurt. It cut me so deep. Um, in my cap and gown, I went to a bar <laughs> and a lot of people bought me drinks. Um, and, uh, I bought myself a lot of drinks and I got bombed and my friends, um, who knew I was in sobriety, you know, they hung out with me and, a couple of them got drunk with me, but, uh, it was a sad day, you know, and I actually spent, I remember spending my graduation day finishing my application for grad school while drinking at a bar and crying a lot of crying, a whole, whole lot of crying. And then I went home and I think I did some drugs and uh, I don't remember much after that. And I was drinking through grad school for a while. Um, then uh, I got sober and then I relapsed. And I got sober again and I relapsed and I got sober again and I relapsed um, through grad school. And I finished grad school. Um, I don't know how, but I, I managed to finish grad school. Um, but again, when I graduated from grad school, I felt empty. Because you see, while, while I was in school, I was building relationships with professors and classmates. And I'm clingy, probably because of all the neglect. And when I had to walk away from all these relationships, I just felt abandoned again, you know. And the same with grad school, you know, when I left grad school and, and that last semester was over, I just felt like all the friends were gone and I had to start over again. Um, I ended up going to rehab and getting sober and I was in rehab for almost three months and built all these close relationships, I felt like, with therapists and counselors and, you know, other clients. And then we all dispersed and we all went back to our, you know, home states and I was back to feeling empty again. And then I got to here, to New Mexico, and the pandemic hit, and I was managing to stay clean. I stayed clean about a year, and then I relapsed again. And then I got sober again, and I relapsed again, and I got sober again, and I relapsed again. And now I'm sober again. And I don't know how to function in a healthy way 
you know, every success I kind of, I don't know, there's no other way to put it. I shit on it because I'm still not in acceptance with the fact that my family's not here to celebrate with me, that my mother's not there to see it, um, that I don't have a close romantic partner, intimate partner to share these successes with. Because I'm always looking, not always, but often I'm looking for someone to tell me that I'm doing great, that I'm doing good, that they're so proud of me. And um, I, I don't feel like I exist unless I'm acknowledged by other people. You know, and I hear people say things like, I don't care what other people think. And I'm like, how do you exist that way? I care deeply about what other people think. Deeply, deeply, deeply about what other people think. However, it's people who I respect um, that I care deeply about their opinions. I don't concern myself with people who I don't respect. Um, there's always going to be somebody. You know, that I remember a, uh, I remember a young woman told me back when I was a teenager, she said, of every, out of every 10 people you meet, three are going to love you, three are going to hate you, and four won't give a shit either way. And that, Blow my mind. Man, let me tell you, I was distraught. Because I really thought out of 10 people, I can convince all 10 people to love me. And it wasn't the three that hated me that I was worried about. It was the four that didn't give a shit either way. I was like, oh, neglect again. Like, oh, that, like there's nothing you can do. Some people who no matter what you do, they just don't care. They don't care. Now, I think those are the people that I constantly find myself reaching out to you know um i found myself in so many relationships with the narcissist because i'm still in this private war trying to get my loved ones to care about me and my whereabouts you know when i was using and i would get paranoid i would you know worry about the cops coming through a window or you know some other crazy shit like that and then i would stop when i would remind myself john Nobody gives a shit what you're doing or where you are. And it would settle me down. Yeah. So here I am. I am 52 years old. And I'm a loving, caring person. Um, I'm intelligent. I'm well-read. I have my own apartment, paying my, my bills best I can. I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm, I'm getting there. And uh, I don't feel anywhere near prepared for a relationship. And I think a lot of it is the social acceptability uh, or the lack thereof in, in my case. You know, I, I don't drive. I don't have a driver's license. I don't think I'll ever be able to get one. Um, I've never traveled outside the country Um I don't even own a passport. My credit is probably through the basement floor. And um, at 52 years old, none of that is attractive. <laughs> none of it. Not a, not a single bit of it is attractive. And um, I feel like in a relationship, I would simply be useless. Not to mention the fact that if you've listened to my podcast and you know the portion of it that's called Queen... Um, there's a lot of things that I still haven't forgiven myself for. And that may be good. 
Um, but it does prevent me from, from feeling joy for any great length of time. I don't know how to acknowledge my own achievements without thinking that it's egotistical. I don't know how to feel pride about how far I've come when I still see so much there is to do. You know, um, I used to admire athletes when, you know, they're in the playoffs and they win a playoff game. And, uh, you know, they'd be like, so, you know, how do you feel about tonight's win? And, And they would say something like, tonight's win doesn't matter. We still have two more games in this playoff. We still have, you know, the Super Bowl or the finals or what have you. So this this is done. This is this chapter's over. Now we gotta think about the next one. And they they'd be so stone faced, you know. And there's there's something about that that something about that reaction that I love and admire. And then there's a part of it that's so sad. Like you can't enjoy this a little bit. You can't just feel like, God, you've come so far and, and this is so great. And it's like, nope, I'm on to the next one, you know. And I've done that. I've done that a lot in my life where, you know, graduating from college, I was like, so what? You know, I graduated from college. Yeah, but I was like fucking 49, 50 years old. Like I should have, you know, I should have been graduated when I was 23, 24 or whatever, you know. And I finished grad school and I was like, big deal. I finished grad school. I'm 51 years old. I should have, should have been did this back in my late twenties. You know, I, I could have an established career. I'd have a house. I'd have this, I'd have that. But I spent so much time drinking and drugging and, and just making one poor decision after another. And, you know, trauma is a bitch, man. And between, you know, the trauma of, of a toxic family and the trauma of capitalism, which again robs me of a lot of my achievements in, in creative forms, you know, because if, if you're not making a lot of money, who cares, right? That's what a lot of people would say, you know. Um, getting a, a master's degree in creative writing to a lot of people was like, oh God, you know, you, you wasted a hundred grand, you know, to what, write a poem? What are you doing? Um, but it's where my heart took me and I, and I wasn't going to second guess it. But now, when I, when I sit down to write, I'm so hard on myself. I'm like, if, if your next line isn't prolific, close the laptop. And I haven't given myself a break, y'all, since like the 1990s, man. I haven't, I haven't taken my own foot off my own neck for decades. Nothing has ever been good enough for me from me. And I think that's that's how I've survived. Um, and it's it's a it's a tool, it's a navigating tool that's no longer necessary. It's a it's a survival tool. And I don't want to survive anymore. I wanna live. I wanna live. And in order to live, I have to let go of a lot of things. And I don't know if I can, y'all. Like. There's so much stuff that I hold on to. Mistakes that I made years ago. I mean, years ago. And I hold on to it like it happened an hour ago. I I relive my mistakes and bad decisions probably daily. 
which has made recovery difficult to enjoy, which has made my scholastic achievements difficult to enjoy. I got this new editing job, y'all. And I just started this week. Um, and they offered me $25 an hour. And I was like, uh, what? Yeah, I'm sorry. And, <laughs> you know, and she was like, oh, is that not enough? And I, 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 I uh, and something inside me was like, motherfucker, ask for more. And then the other part of me was like, don't you dare. You know, you don't deserve that shit. And I was like, no, 25 is fine. And I took 25. No, 25 is great. It's, that's nothing to shake a stick at, you know. Even part-time, it's still 500 a week. That's good money. But y'all, I'd have taken 10. I'd have taken 10 because I'm, I'm so accustomed to being the underdog and scraping and, and struggling. Um, scratching and surviving good times. <laughs> um... I don't know how to not be poor. I don't know how to not be depressed. Like, I've been taking my antidepressants, y'all, and I don't know who I am anymore. You know, now that I'm not overwhelmed with sadness 24 hours a day, I don't know how to function. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, you know? Like, I don't know who I am. I am 52 years old. And all I know is that I'm still a boy looking for love, looking for approval. Constantly looking for approval. And I think that, you know, growing up, um, you know, other than, than finding my own gender fluidity in the last two years, I've spent most of my life living as a man and living with my male privilege and sometimes in a white appearance privilege. And, you know... I took away, in, in a sense, I took away my manhood, you know, moving gender fluidity and, and, you know, sometimes wearing eyeshadow and sometimes wearing long skirts and feeling pretty. I took away my manhood and moved more towards my Afrocentricity. And now I'm like, who are you? Who are you now? Because I'm no longer that boy but I'm still seeking approval. I'm still wanting somebody to tell me I'm okay. But I'm so confident that I'm not okay that it wouldn't matter. I remember one time I was in love. Woo, child, I was in love with this woman. And the more she told me she was in love with me, the more I despised her. Because I couldn't stand myself. And if you loved me, well, then there has to be something wrong with you. And the more intimate she tried to become, the more distant I grew. I had a dream about her two nights ago and I had a dream that she died and I didn't get to her bedside in time. And I woke up crying. It was so strange. I hadn't thought about her in years and I just had this really strange dream about her. I think it's the antidepressants. They, they tend to make your dreams a little, little loopy. But it brought up some sincere feelings of regret. And I, I, I swear to God, if, if, those people who are like, I have no regrets. Everything's made me who I am today. Shut the fuck up. I'm so tired. Of, like, just be... If, if you can't look at your mistakes and acknowledge that people were hurt... 
and and you you can actually look at the fact that you hurt other people and say, I don't regret it. It's made me who I am. I don't regret hurting other people. That is some narcissistic shit. I have regrets. And I think if you don't have any regrets, you haven't lived. You haven't taken a risk. You haven't, you know, you haven't rolled the dice and put your life on the line, you know. Um, I have some hurts that I've caused. I have some hurts that other people have caused. But I think that's just a part of life. You know, a lot of people say, you know, no enemy can hurt you as much as a friend. And I think that's because you don't leave yourself vulnerable for enemies, you know. Um, The ones that I love are going to hurt me. And I have to decide which kinds of hurts I can accept and move forward with the friendships or the relationships and which kind I cannot or will not rather. And it is in my failures of relationships that I, you know, we say that we have trust issues with other people, but it's not the other people that I have a trust issue with. It's with myself. Because when I look at this, the seemingly endless line of, of of failed relationships. It's not the, the potentially new partner that I don't trust. It's my judgment that I'm questioning. Because I've failed 100%. If you're single, right? If I'm single, that means I have failed at 100% of the romantic relationships I've been in. I have failed at selecting someone who is healthy, who is safe, who, you know, has respect for me and 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 vice versa. You know, I, I haven't held myself to those same standards and I have failed other people. So now I'm I'm at a place where I ask myself things like, should you just be alone? Like, should you just give up on the idea of a relationship? And, you know, maybe this is how you're meant to be. You know, I do better work with other people. When I'm by myself, I have more time to help others. I have more time to serve my community. And I'm also at an age where, you know, I lost my virginity at 14. I'm 52. I've had enough sex to last me a lifetime. Honestly, I have. Um, It's not that I'm not interested, but I'm not as eager. You know, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to date other people to get laid. That, That wouldn't... It doesn't even cross my mind. Like I'm just looking for conversation and identification with another person and maybe a couple of laughs and feel again. I I just want to feel desired, you know? And I want to let somebody else know that I desire them because I know how good that feels, you know? And I want to desire somebody else and have it reciprocated. I know I don't want to be with somebody who needs me again. I mean, when you're in a relationship, granted, you need the other person. You know, your heart needs them and, and you love them. But I mean that dependent feeling of like, you know, they have a hard time functioning if I'm not there. And vice versa. You know, I, I don't want to be in that enmeshed, intertwined, tangled up relationship where it's like, you know, I don't know where I end and you begin. I don't want that again. That shit is like, it sounds great when you're 15, but at 52, God, that, that's a lot. That's just a lot. And uh, success, failure, and trauma, man. 
I think I have a hard time enjoying my success because I've had so many traumatic experiences in life that I know that whatever joy I feel about whatever achievement um, that I've attained, I know it's going to be short-lived. And so I don't even bask in it. You know, I'm like, uh, you know, it, look, by tomorrow, everybody's going to forget that this even fucking happened. You know what I mean? Like, this was for me. Nobody gives a shit. And, um, you know, somebody might say they're proud, good for you, but then they're going to move on and they have their own life to worry about. And there's not going to be anybody, you know, patting you on the head, rubbing you on the back and taking you to McDonald's every day, you know, because you had this one achievement. And then, you know, being 52, your friends start dying. You know, you, your friends start getting sick. So-and-so had a heart attack at 45. This person, you know, is 55 now and, and you know, they're not doing so well. And, you know, you start losing people. And if you're a recovering addict, man, that's been happening since you've been in recovery. You know, you have friends who relapse, overdose all the time, all the time. You know, even during the pandemic, I think I relapsed after, you know, two friends overdosed and one killed himself. And I lost it. I just lost it. I was like, I I don't want to feel this, this loss. I don't want to feel people leaving me ever again. And I think that's why I'm so apprehensive to get into a relationship too quickly. I I, I can't bear it anymore. I'm at an age where I just can't. I could see why grandparents feel so much joy around their grandchildren because it's like you get to redo your childhood, but better. You know, you get to, you get to spoil your grandkids. You get to just love on them, you know? And I don't have that right now. I just don't have it. Um, most of my family's gone. And the family that I do have is struggling. You know, they're struggling with their own addictions. And uh, I keep my distance because I need to. But I won't lie, y'all. Like, I just... And I think of good times, right? And I don't necessarily think about the family setting. I think about Florida Evans and Malona Woods. And you know how, like, Malona just came upstairs and walked right in the door. Hey, y'all! You know? <laughs> and we used to have that in New York City when I was a kid. You know, we had neighbors that just walked in our house. Like, hey! I miss that. I miss that. I miss people just coming by. You know, everybody's got this strong set of boundaries now. Like, hey, I don't like visitors just coming by my house. And I'm like, I miss that. I miss... There There used to be people in my life, healthy or not, that I didn't have a whole elaborate set of boundaries with. They could just come by anytime they wanted to. They were family. You know, they could come in my house while I'm sleeping and just raid my refrigerator and, and get something to eat. And I'd be like, what are you doing here? I'd be like, hey, what's up, yo, man? I just, I just wanted to come out. I thought you'd be up, but, you know, since I was here, I figured I'd take myself a piece of this apple pie. And I'm like, you know, and I'd laugh and sit with them, you know. I miss shit like that. I don't have that anymore. I think one of the struggles with being clean is feeling all of this and having so few people in my life to really talk about it with. I miss, I miss love. I miss this strong, undeniable love that I shared with someone 
with with people in general. And the pandemic did a lot of the damage. I'm I'm not gonna even you know, I'm not gonna fake the funk about that. You know, being by myself for a year was ugh, not pretty. And then, you know, seeing things differently at an older age by myself, single. Like, I've been single for two years. I've gotten laid a couple of times. I've met a couple of people, whatever. But it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't turning into some deep-seated love, you know. Um, there was one wonderful young woman. But she was struggling with depression, too, and... You know, she had her own shit to work through and it, it wasn't going to happen. And I knew it wasn't going to happen. And she left for Chicago and that was that. And um, I distanced myself because I knew it was going to hurt so much when she left. And it did. I felt empty. I felt so empty. Two weeks before she left, I just felt this emptiness. I invest a lot in other people. I believe in people often. You know, I believe people can do whatever it is they, they want to do. And I will be someone's biggest cheerleader. Like, I don't give a book, you know. And I have this one friend, Cole, and she lives in uh, Boston. And Cole is just my homegirl, you know what I mean? Like... Like, she is one of those people who, if I showed up in Boston right now, I was like, yo, I'm outdoors, I'm struggling. She was, she'd be like, all right, well, let's put you on my couch and let's figure out what we're going to do in the morning. Um, she drove uh, all the way down to Florida to see me in rehab. And she drove to Richmond, Virginia to see me graduate from Virginia Commonwealth University. And, you know, she talks about moving to the Dominican Republic so often that I felt myself closing up around her distancing myself around her um she was one of those people who i was really attracted to and wanted to date and she didn't want to and i knew she was too important a person to let go of because i wasn't going to get my romantic expectations and i accepted not settled is the difference i accepted her friendship and it's been a gift ever since. She's been the most, one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. But she's in Boston and I'm in New Mexico and she's not going to walk through this door every day like Malona, you know. She's not going to walk in here like, hey boy, what's going on? Um, and I miss her. I miss her like every day. God. Times are just changing so fast. I, I feel like I was like 30 years old getting my first tattoo like a week ago. Um, I am getting old. Like there is more gray than anything else on my hair. <laughs> and I'm settling into this new pattern, this new life of mine as best I can. With all of these regrets and, and this reliving of trauma that I'm doing my best to heal. And I'm not saying that my best is good enough, but it's, it's my best right now. And it's a struggle. Because if I'm being completely honest, most days I don't want to give up my trauma. 
It's who I've identified as. And without my trauma, like my manhood, I have to again go back to the drawing board and be like, who the fuck am I? Who am I really? And I'll tell you some things I've discovered. I am an admirer of everything artistic. Everything artistic. Painting, sculpting, computer graphics, poetry, you know, everything. Yarn work, crocheting, like... Any kind of creativity I've ever seen, I'm enthralled by it. I could spend all day in a museum. All fucking day in a museum. Just admiring that someone broke away from societal expectations and said, no, for the next month, I'm going to paint this canvas and fuck everything else. And there is something so revolutionary about stepping outside of the societal norm and doing what makes your heart fat. You know what I'm saying? Doing what fills you with warmth and promise and purpose. And at the end of the day, those are the things that I will leave behind. I will leave creative projects that I've finished. I will, that's what I will leave behind for others in hopes that they will too feel this enthralled feeling of excitement and exhilaration, you know, when they see someone color outside the lines and try something different. Doing the impossible because everything's impossible until somebody does it, right? I know that One of my biggest fears is dying alone. Being completely forgotten. And that could be narcissism. But it's also, damn, I feel like it's how the fuck I came in this world. You know, just two strung out, stressed out parents who didn't want any more fucking kids. Neither one of them wanted the responsibility and my mom did it, but loathed it the entire time. My dad ran from it the whole way. And nobody else in my family was willing to take me in or could take me in. And so I've just felt like everyone's burden. And when I labeled myself a burden... I stopped trying to become better. Now I'm no one's burden. But I'm still not trying hard enough to be better. I'm doing some things better. I I can acknowledge that there are some things I'm doing better. But I want to be more reliable. I'd like to be more trustworthy. I'd like to be less aloof. I'd like to be more consistent. But I want to do it because I want to be more consistent, not because society needs me to be more consistent because that's how a man should be and blah, 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 blah. I want to be a regular in someone's life the same way I was a regular at a bar. Expected to be seen. um, A welcomed presence. 
And I want to feel that for someone else. I don't know. Who are you? Who do you think you are? What pain or regrets are you holding on to? What's it going to take for you to let them go? I'll talk to you later, y'all. Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However... The way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. <laughs>